your child probably trying to size me up here a little bit. I know I got the size that you can size me up. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. I don't know if I know anyone here. But I trust you know uh, the same God that I know. And that makes us brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. That's a powerful thing. I'm from Ohio, the Heritage Congregation. There with, uh, in the ministry there with my brother, Jonathan, and Marion Miller, and Steve Yoder. I, some of you might know Steve Yoder. I, I think he knew some people here. I have a wife and family at home. We have uh, my wife, Leona, and, she, and we have six children that range from 22 to 10. My youngest is 10. I know, it looks like I'm kind of old for a 10-year-old. Well, we got married a little late. God blessed us with uh, six rambunctious children, which are a blessing. Turn your Bibles to Mark 4. Mark 4. I'd like to read verses 1 through 20. Mark 4, 1 through 20. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they, were about, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand lest at any time they should be converted, and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. 
And these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately, and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are the... And these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Now, I don't know if you've ever, I suppose that some of you, maybe all of you, know of someone or have known people that once claimed to know God. They had a living relationship with the Lord. They prayed, they praised, they had a testimony for the Lord. They were enthused. And they wanted to follow God. But for some reason, they turned away. They threw it away. They didn't care anymore what the Word of God says. Some just disregard some of the gospel. Others leave it all. They don't even care anymore about God and His Word. These are people like you and I. They have the same desires and passions we have. What makes you think that you'll stand better than they did? I believe that unless you do something different than they did, you'll end up at the same place. Will you have what it takes to stay faithful? When trials and temptations and ridicule and dryness and stagnation and relationship struggles, that emotional thrill of the first love is gone when you begin to face opposition for what you believe, what is going to keep you rooted in your Christian life? Do you have what it takes to keep your roots from being pulled up out of that life-giving soil? What does it take to have good soil? Now, we know that roots like good soil, don't they? So do you have good soil around here? Some? Clay, we we live, I live right next to the town of Claysville. The ground is full of clay. Terrible soil. But in good soil, roots will go very, very deep. I've heard people that have uh, raised corn and they've, they've, they've dug pits beside their corn to watch how deep the roots go. There have been roots that have went eight and nine feet. Corn, that is. Down in the soil. When the soil is good, when there's, when, when there's nutrition, when there's uh, 
things there for them to keep growing. But if your roots can't get through the soil, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be a problem. Now, if good soil would come from just buying a bag of fertilizer and throwing it on the soil, we could all boast of good soil, couldn't we? The brother just said, uh, we like, we're in an age where we like things now. Well, he put a bunch of fertilizer on, boom. That'll fix your soil, won't it? That doesn't, actually. To have good, good so- soil takes persistence. It takes work. And it takes patience and it takes time. It takes time. I have three things here about good soil. Number one, good soil has good structure and texture. The gardeners talk about the soil's crumb. This is speaking of the soil's texture. The best structure is when soil particles combine to form round shapes known as crumbs. Good crumb formation, like good texture, allows for good root development and it lets free movement of air and water. Good soil texture is like cookie crumbs. You know, you, you, put, you press cookies and you press them and you spread that over ice cream. Oh, yeah. Aren't you hungry? You pick it up and it just crumbles. It's loose, fluffy, and crumbly. Number two, good soil has a good amount of organic matter. Humus, we call it. You need humus, which is actually dead plants and animal tissue. It's decomposed, and it revitalizes your soil as humus. When this organic material decays, it becomes a sticky, dark, sticky substance. That actually helps to glue the soil together, soil particles together, but not so tightly that it can't breathe, but tight enough that it holds moisture. So humus actually does both. It makes so that your soil holds moisture, and it helps so that it can drain. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Humus also contributes to soil fertility. It helps it breathe. Humus-rich soil. It helps absorb and store moisture for when it's needed. But when there's too much, it can drain off. And finally, it helps provide nutrition to the plant. The microorganisms, we call them uh, microbes, Fungi, bacteria, microbes, earthworms, protozoa, arthropods. They are moving through and interacting with good ground to help break down the organic matter to to, um, elements and nutrients that the plant can take in. That's what these things do. The liveliest soils are the best soils. Moles, shrews, mice, gophers, prairie dogs are some of the larger uh, mammals that spend all or most of their lives in the soil. There's also millions of insects which spend at least part of their life cycle in the soil, 
There's earthworms, there's sow bugs, there's mites, there's centipedes, there's millipedes, there's spiders also live in the soil. Did you know that? And in addition, there's many organisms living in the soil that are so small that you cannot see them unless you use a microscope. According to S.A. Waxman, a microbiologist, in just about a quarter of a teaspoon, a quarter of a teaspoon of fertile soil, of good soil, you could find 50 nematodes, 62,000 algae, 72,000 amoebae, 2,920,000 actinomocytes, and 25,280,000 bacteria. Now that's lively soil. In a good teaspoon of, of uh, good soil, they say there are more microbes than there are people on the earth. That's lively soil. That's good soil. Now, out of all the countless millions of organisms that live in an acre of soil, earthworms are probably the most significant group of larger organisms. Earthworms can range from a number of a few hundred to more than a million per acre. They digest organic matter and recycle the nutrients and can make the surface of the soil much richer. Do you know how much organic or, or how much ground or organic matter those uh, earthworms can eat in a year's time? Does anybody know? According to what I learned, one earthworm can digest 36 tons of soil in one year. 36 tons of soil. And it passes through their body and it breaks it down so that the soil, so that the plant can use the, the, the nutrients. So, Really, in a healthy garden, in a healthy soil, there are all kinds of living organisms moving and working to make your soil healthy. There's a living mass under that soil that you don't see. Number three, good soil has a healthy pH. Now, pH in the soil is the measurement of acidity in your soil. This affects the minerals in the soil and the plant's ability to use it. So usually, the more neutral the soil the better. The better your plants will take in the, the minerals. And you can find out how your soil is by doing testing, by soil testing. Are any of you farmers? Oh, I, I should get the farmers up here to speak this. So let me know if I'm saying anything wrong. Now I'd like to go to Mark here and... and and look at the different kinds of soils. Mark talks about four kinds of soils. It's the wayside soil, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. The wayside soil. It's hard. It's hard soil. It's been tramped on again and again. Nothing can penetrate it. The water runs off of it. It's old. It's been a problem for years. You know, the Lord has spoken to us about this soil, but you won't hear it. Others have tried to tell you that there's a soil issue, but we don't hear it. 
We just walk over it again and find a way to justify and make excuses for the way we are. This is the way I am. This is the way I've been. And I'm not going to change it. The wayside soil. This is maybe the soil that you don't touch. You haven't gone there for years. You don't know how to change it. So you just let it go. Hosea 10 verse 12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. The Lord would like to take your wayside soil. The area in your life that you don't visit, you say it's too painful, it's too hard, it'll take too much work. God would like to rain righteousness upon that area in your life. He'd like to make that area fruitful. He can. He can. Number two, the rocky soil. It seems to me that's a, good, that's a shallow, good soil. In other words, it looks good, it sounds good, but these kinds of people like going from one experience to the next. Constantly looking for that spiritual high. And when it's not experienced, then we're done. When relationships come, become challenging as a Christian, when the pressures outside, external pressures pile up as a Christian, when sacrifices become painful, when we have to give up or give in, we're ready to jump ship. There's no deep root system there. The sun shines hot, and there's no moisture to sustain the plant. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? You know, the word of God is what breaks up rocky soil. That's what the Bible says. His word is like a hammer that breaks up the rocky soil in our lives. We really have many ways and chances to expose ourselves to the Word of God. We should, we should expose ourselves to the Word of God whenever we get a chance. We are a privileged people. I'd like to tell you some ways that we should not neglect to cultivate the Word of God or, and let it flow through us so it can break up stony ground. We have some areas in our lives sometimes that are stony and they need broken up. Church services like this help to break up stony soil. Reading your Bible, that helps break up stony soil. Bible studies, that helps up break, break up. Bible schools, fellowshipping together as brothers and sisters. We can challenge each other in the Word of God. That helps break up rocky soil. Family devotions, fellowship and talking with friends, praying and singing Scripture. And I'm sure there's many other ways. But I believe if you're depending on the church for your spiritual, just coming to church for your exposure to the Word of God, you're going to come up short. You're going to come up short. You need personal motivation to seek God. You know, I love how the Old Testament is a picture of what I believe uh, should happen in the New Testament, at least some of the stories, 
And one of those, I believe, is the, the, the picture of manna. Manna came how many times? A week? Six days a week. Every morning. And they were supposed to gather how much? For two weeks, right? How much manna were they supposed to gather? For one day. Just enough for that day. Come on, you could have thought, why couldn't I go out and just pick it up for the week? Then I wouldn't have to go out every morning. God said, nope, every morning. And it's just enough for, you're supposed to throw it away. And then you go out the next morning, you gather for that day. And the next morning for that day. Only on the weekend could you go two days. And I believe that's a picture of our spiritual life. We need fed daily. We can't, we can't get in the Word of God and say, I'm going to store this up for the next three weeks. <laughs> I'm going to read my Bible, I'll read it for two hours, and then I'm done for three weeks. Uh-uh. You get it in the morning for that day. It's enough for that day. Yeah, I'm not going to say you're going to die if you don't read your Bible one day or two. But if it's prolonged, you will. You'll slowly start to deteriorate. Number three, the thorny soil. Now, rocky soil destruction comes from pressures without that cause us to give up. But thorny soil destruction comes from within. From within your heart. The things that you allow to grow in your heart. There are things that you gave permission to grow that are taking precious moisture and nutrients from the good seed. Mark 4, 18 and 19, it says, And these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Luke says, and bring no fruit to perfection. It seems like there's some life there. These people that have thorny soil, there's life there. They hear the word. There's growth happening. But the fruit doesn't mature. It doesn't, it doesn't ripen. Why not? Because there are other things growing there. There are other distractions growing there. Things are demanding my attention and grabbing my emotions and drawing me away. Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he said, Brethren, I count myself, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press Toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had his mind set and he was focused. He had his eyes on the goal. And he made decisions that would help him reach that goal. We have to make some serious choices. There are some things that we need to cling to. And there are other things that have to go. Because they distract us or choke us. They choked the life right out of us. I would venture to guess that this is the soil that we probably struggle with the most. We're alive, we're growing, but our fruit is not mature. The things mentioned here that choke out the word, they're not gross sins. They're little phrases, the cares of this world, the worries of what might happen or what could happen, the need to have or do because of what others have and do. Jesus said in Luke 12, 6 and 7, he said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? 
and not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Commit it to the Lord who already knows before you ask. This is the supernatural seed that will help you flourish in a world that's full of anxiety and conflict. The world is full of anxiety. We as Christians should be trusting. We should be trusting our God. Now I think it's okay to be concerned, but not to the point where it makes the Word of God of no effect. This word is meant to change you, to relieve your stress, to bring you rest. Let the world worry about the economy, about the next job, about what will our children face, about how evil our society is becoming. The Lord says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He cares about you individually. That's divine seed. The next thing he says that will choke us is riches. And you might say, oh no, not again. I'm going to talk about money. But the Lord says, himself said that this is one thing that can choke the word of God. Riches, I believe, can be a false god seeking our worship. Did you know that riches make some of the same offers that God offers? Riches offer security, freedom, and power. Riches would like to take the role of authority in your life and dictate the decisions you make and the way you live. I wonder if you would analyze your life. Does God dictate how you live or does money dictate how you live? If all of a sudden you had all the money you ever wanted, Would that change the way you're living now? Or would you go right on living, nobody knew it? It wouldn't change a thing. Because you're living the way you think God wants you to live. Or are you letting money dictate how you live? The Bible says that riches are deceitful. They're deceiving. They have a way of blinding our eyes. Money does not have the answer It makes promises it cannot keep. And when you put your trust in this false God, it stops the seed from growing to maturity. And the last thing that he says can choke the word of God in the soil is the desire for other things. You know, we sing the song, Jesus Christ is made to me. All I need, all I need. Is that really all you need? Is that really all you need? What is it that makes you tick? You know, something really makes you get up in the morning and go. Something really makes you... If you don't know, men, ask your wife. If you don't know, wife, ask your husband. And if neither of you know, 
Ask your children. They'll tell you. Dad is all about. They know exactly. What really makes you tick? Yes, it's good to come to church. It's good to hear the Word of God, but really what makes me fulfilled is what? You fill it in. Now, let's be realistic. We all have desires. And there are many things that we desire and are passionate about that are right and good. But what we're talking about here is akin to a craving. We can hardly do without. If I don't get it, It affects my life. It could be in your kitchen. It could be in your barn. It could be your job. Maybe it's sports or it's shopping. We can become so obsessed with these desires or cravings that it chokes the Word of God. These things choke the Word of God. You may know Jesus, be able to sing. You enjoy coming to church. You read your Bible but you feel like you get your kick somewhere else. That will rob the Word of God. What is it in your life that's hindering you from going on to maturity? And number four, the last one was the good soil. The properties of the good soil was to hear the Word of God in a good and honest heart. Do you remember what we said about good soil having good texture? It's crumbly when you pick it up. It falls apart. Listen to what the Lord has to say through the psalmist. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. Psalm 51 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Psalm 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. Does that sound like good soil to you? Broken hearted. A man that is broken and moldable and is willing to hear the word of God from the Bible and from other people. A man that's humble enough to hear the word of God and let it change him. He hears it. You know, as we get older, we don't become, we, we, our moldability isn't as good as it was when we were young, is it? We, we, we don't like to change. We don't like to change. And I believe when we're not willing to hear what the Lord has to say through other people and through His Word, we're not willing to change We've done it for so long. I believe it's possible to turn into wayside soil. God desires a broken heart, a humble spirit that will hear and do. In 2 Corinthians 4, 10 through 12, it says, Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest 
in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We are to die. One of the qualities of good soil is dead, decomposed material. Brothers and sisters, when the soil is really soft, when it's really pliable, you are dead. You're dead. You're not in the way, and you can hear. When we are dead, we can hear from others, the microorganisms, if you please, what they have to say. And they help us break up our soil and add nutrients to the soil that make, us, make it valuable to God and others. We can retain the moisture that comes from them. When we're dead, we also have the ability to drain well. You know, sometimes there are things that we have to drain off. You know that? There's things that come our way that if you let take personal, they're going to hurt you. If you don't forgive, you don't let it drain off. Dead soil or decomposed soil will drain off when it's, when it's, when it's necessary to drain off. If there's too much moisture there and it's harmful to the plant, we have the ability to drain off if we're dead to self. A good and honest heart will take the word of God and compare it to his or her heart. And what, is currently, what, what you're currently doing or experiencing. And if it's not lined up with the word, they take the way of the word. Luke also says, Luke 8, 15 says, good ground holds fast. That's quite different than the rocky soil that doesn't have root or depth and immediately gives up when things come up that are difficult and they don't understand that take patience and perseverance and standing. The good soil lets the Word of God do its work in our lives. First Thessalonians 2, 11-13 says, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. The word of God does a work. It has the power to transform, to renew, to awaken, to stir desire, to move to action, to clean, to help us stand. But it takes, it takes faith, patience, and perseverance. Soil, we said, can be tested for its pH level, which helps us make adjustments so the plant can benefit more from the elements and the nutrients in the soil. The Bible also says that we should test our soil. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. We are to test ourselves, prove ourselves. Look at what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're thinking, and compare it to the Word of God. Does it line up? If it doesn't line up, 
then I ask God to help you change that soil. That it will hear, that it will hear and do the Word of God. You know, we're not very good at taking inventory of our own lives, are we? To take a good look at, you know, what am I doing? What am I saying? How am I coming across? What am I thinking? We sure like to look at other people and say, oh, he or she's got a problem. But what about our, what about our own lives? Proverbs 4, 23-27 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips, put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. We are to take what we hear, take what we see, take what we feel, and try it with the Word of God. If it doesn't stand the test of the Word of God, it will not take root, and it will infest and affect the rest of the garden. It will take vital nutrients and moisture that's needed for a well-rooted garden. It needs to be discarded. I want to show you a tremendously rich, nutrient-filled composting pile. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8. You probably know this by memory. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. You talk about a composting pile. There it is. You can take that pile and you can think about it, mule over it, spread it across your garden, and you will have a prosperous, growing, refreshing garden. Your plants will be well-rooted and it will drain well. The level of productivity in your life depends on the condition of your heart, the quality of your soil. What kind of harvest are you experiencing? What kind of harvest do you have? Do you have a barely getting by, just enough to pay the bills garden? Or is it a, is it a survival garden or a garden of abundance? Where it's spilling out and blessing other people. <coughs> Excuse me. It depends on the condition of your soil. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in draught, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Oh, I would to God that your soul, your life, would be like a well-watered garden to those that come in contact with you. Be it your children, your wife, your husband, your neighbors, your fellow workers, the community, that the fruits that are coming from your garden are feeding those around you. 
They are motivating and energizing the people that you come in contact with. And they're giving stability to those that are coming behind you. Let's stand for prayer.